Ave Maria Radio and Renewal Ministries presents Fire on the Earth, a compelling look at the new evangelization through inspiring teachings, interviews, and testimonies. Welcome, friends. This is Peter Herbeck, your host, and we're going to wrap up this week continuing to reflect on St. Paul's teaching, his exhortation, his prayer at the beginning of his first letter to the Thessalonians. If you haven't a chance to tune in the program this week, I'd encourage you, friends, to go to our website at RenewalMinistries.net. These programs are archived there, as our sister Ann Shields' wonderful programs, Food for the Journey. Our YouTube videos seem to be impacting a lot of people. We're getting a lot of feedback from across the country and different parts of the world about those videos. And, and if they are touching you, the programs are, friends, spread the good news. And one of the ways you can do that is download the Renewal Ministries app. You have total access at any time to all the stuff that we produce. A lot of free stuff there. And then spread the good word. You know, one way to really help encourage people is to spread the good news, the kind of good news we've been hearing all week from St. Paul and from the teaching of the church. So I left off yesterday about halfway through the first chapter of first one. So here's some of the wonderful themes from this week. You know, Paul begins the letter by giving thanks to God the Father because of what he sees in this new community in Thessalonica. I think that's how you say it. I hope I got that right. And this is a small community. And we'll find out here as we go along that are being persecuted, marginalized by a intense pagan culture, Roman Empire, you know, all of it going on. And what is Paul seeing? He said, I'm thanking God, your father, my father, for the work of faith, the labor of love and the steadfastness of hope that is in Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, we're seeing the theological virtues grow in you. You're filled with that faith, faith that changes life, faith that trusts God surrenders to God that leads to hope, a confident expectation of our destiny, and knowing we have the security that's in Christ that allows us to love God and love our neighbor. We're not living as aliens and strangers, exiled, enemies of God in some way. God is not a threat to us. He's not our, our opponent or something that we wrestle with. We have to wrestle with. He's our He's our Father. And we see now, by God's grace, my neighbor is not my enemy. Even those who are enemies of the gospel, like who are fighting against the gospel and they're fighting against us, Jesus wants to give us the power He's to love those who hate you. This is happening in this, this community of young believers. Paul goes on to say, and he goes, he's so happy. He said, you are beloved by God. You're chosen by God. You're beloved and chosen. Say that to yourself in the middle of the day when you're having a bad day. Bad day. As soon as these negative thoughts start coming in discouragement, I'm beloved by God. I'm chosen by God. My life has meaning, has ultimate meaning, because I'm known, I'm loved, and I'm chosen by God. Let the words of God come out of your mouth, friends. There's so much negative stuff coming out of people's mouths. I encourage people all the time to stop watching the news. Find the best news you can find maybe for 20 minutes a day somewhere. You get a summary. It's all you need to know. Because there's just so much deception lying, anger, bitterness, accusation that's going forward from leaders all over the place. So set your mind on on things above. Set your heart on the gospel. Walk with the Lord. Abide in the Lord throughout the day. Let God tell you who you are. Let God discern for you the meaning of your life, the value of your life, the dignity of your life. 
And then he goes on after saying that, Paul said, you know, the good news, Paul's rejoicing because the good news about Jesus has gone forward to them. And Paul's word that went forward to them has been planted. It was good soil that landed on good soil, not on rocky ground. And that's because he said it was a word that was empowered by the Holy Spirit and it produced conviction in those open hearts. And then Paul says, you received it. It began to change you. And now you're imitating us. You're living like we taught you to live. And you're imitating us as we're imitating Christ. And he said, all of this is happening in the midst of much affliction. You are living under persecution and trial. And what we see and what we hear about you is that in the midst of that affliction, you are experiencing the joy of the Holy Spirit. You're not afraid. You're not afraid of suffering. You're not afraid of rejection. You're not afraid of trial. You're not living any longer by the standards of this world to measure the value of your life. Verse 70 says, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So you're now being an example. And he said, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you. See, what does a healthy disciple look like? What does a healthy parish look like? What does a healthy diocese look like? What do the people of God look like? They're people who have, who know that they're chosen, that they're loved by God, that they're children of God. They're walking with a, a healthy detachment in the world, but a great love for it at the same time. There's a joy that characterizes their life. They know that the gospel has laid hold of them, that the power of the Spirit of God has touched their lives. And now they're living with deep conviction. I know who I am. I know who God is. I know my destiny. I know my value. And the world cannot take it away from me. It can't shake it. It can't take it. No way. I'm standing on the rock, which is God, the unchangeable, unshakable kingdom of God. And now I'm imitating Paul, as Paul taught me. I'm imitating those who went before me. And I'm not afraid of the affliction and the the persecution and the threat of being canceled. I'm not afraid of these things. I'm living the life of the kingdom now. And what does that include? Joy in the Holy Spirit. And then as, as I'm living in that joy, our joy is becoming contagious. The power of God is moving us out. As Paul says here, now the word begins to sound forth from you. You receive that word. You chewed on that word. That word was internalized and now it's coming out of you. It's now, you're now proclaiming it even at a high, at high risk. You're proclaiming it. The cost involved. He said, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. You're alive. You're a Christian community. You get that process, friends? The health pastors who are listening and bishops who are listening and lay leaders and others who are listening, this is what a healthy picture looks like. You've heard the word of God. You've taken it in. You've become converted. You've been touched by the power of the Spirit of God. It's manifest. It's real. It's beginning to take root in your heart. You accept the good news about Jesus. Conviction begins to grow. You're now hungry to follow, to become a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. Which is what's really, uh, today I think in the uh, the reading, the first reading today, talks about Jesus' call to discipleship. He said, you know, if you want to follow me, what do you need to do? Deny yourself, take up your cross, come after me. Here's what's happening to them. It's exactly what they're doing. 
They're coming after the Lord. They're walking in his footsteps. How do they know how to walk? Because they can see it in the apostles. They read it in the word as these letters that have come to them. This letter to the community of the Thessalonians, they read it at the liturgy and they're learning how to walk it out. So they imitate the apostles. The apostles imitate the Lord and they experience the power of the Holy Spirit and the very promises the Lord gave to the apostles are promises to them and they know it's a living word and it's changing their life. They're now moving in a different way. They no longer belong to this world. They're in the world, but they're not of the world. The exhortation of the apostles that comes from the Lord, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. The resistance to God, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, power, control, popularity, pleasure upon pleasure that leads to so many different kinds of corruption. You're making a break from that now. How can you do it? You couldn't do it before because you found a superior pleasure. You found the true pleasure. You're made for pleasure. God is the God of pleasure. In his right hand are pleasures forevermore. David, who who loved and delighted in the Father's good pleasure, even when he fell and repented, he came back and he's living in it again, right? So this is what a disciple, this is what a community looks like. This faith, hope, and love is growing. And it's not just these like theoretical definitions or something. It's a lived experience of encountering the king and the power of the spirit is in them and they know it. It's a living reality. Friends, this is part of the grace, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this generation and the Catholic charismatic renewal and really far beyond it. The recent popes have all mentioned it. John the 23rd, St. John the 23rd prayed for it in the council for the grace of a new Pentecost. You know, the recent apostles, St. John Paul II, Benedict XVI, and now even Pope Francis have discerned and said, there's a, there's a grace of a new Pentecost to be had, to be pursued. There's a current of blessing if you want it, right? And it's same, Pentecost is a lived experience throughout all of life until the Lord comes again. Why? Because the Catechism reminds us Scripture that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for a permanent outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this is how the gospel comes. It doesn't come just by exchange of information in a classroom. It has power. It's the Holy Spirit who makes it come alive in us. And then when it comes alive, we begin to change. We're no longer afraid of people. We're no longer afraid of the powers of the world. We're no longer afraid of being rejected by the world. Jesus has to heal that in us. And we trust God now. And we walk with greater security then freedom to love grows in us, even loving people who don't like us. And we begin to care for people around us in a different way. And we begin to pray for them. We start to do good deeds of service toward them. We share with them our time, our talent, and our treasure. And we begin to look like the Lord more and more. Yet we stumble and fall because we're weak and broken people. But we go to confession. We turn to the Lord. He lifts us up 70 times, seven times a day. We can come to him when we need to. There's no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Anytime that condemnation, self-hatred, all the stuff that comes, no hope for you starts surfacing. That comes from the devil. You tell him to get back to hell where he belongs. You have authority in the Lord over your life. You stand and you declare the truth about who you are and you lay hold of that freedom in the midst of struggling with your own failings. Look to God. 
Look to the word of God. Say what God says about you. Respond with the right kind of repentance as the scripture gives it to us. So that's coming into freedom. And then confidence grows and the word starts going forth from the community. This is how, I mean, attendance at mass is a good indicator of a measure of faith. Mass is important. But friends, that's one element of determining what is the health. The health is a radical surrender of your life to Jesus Christ as Lord, living as his disciple. These folks were taking up their cross with joy. Are we doing that? They know they have a mission. They're so full of love for the Lord. They're sharing him with other people. They're going to the sick, the blind, the lost, the broken, the poor, the rich, everybody. They're beginning to share their life. That's what we do. So Paul then says in verse 9, he says, For they themselves report concerning us what a welcome we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve, to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Boy, commit that one to memory. Verse 9, friends. What a nine and ten. What a powerful couple of verses here. What did you do? The word Paul says, what happened among you? Because these were, these were pagan. These were not all Jewish folks, but some of them were pagan, pagan backgrounds. And Paul says, what you, you turn to God from idols. Idolatry. To do what? To serve God. We are servants of the living and true God, Paul said, and he's seeing it. And now you wait with joyful hope for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and you're escaping the wrath to come, and you're helping others do the same thing. This is the mind of the apostles. This is the mind of Christ. This is what our life is meant to be, friends. Let's live it out radically with the help of the Lord. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Each program of Fire on the Earth with Peter Herbeck can be downloaded at AveMariaRadio.net and RenewalMinistries.net. Fire on the Earth is a production of Ave Maria Radio. Friends, I'd like to offer you my new booklet, St. Francis Used Words. St. Francis is really a model of mercy, and he communicated that mercy through both deeds and through words. And Pope Francis reminds us that each one of us is called to do the same. If you'd like a copy of this free booklet, call one 800 282-4789. That's 1-800-282-4789 or contact us on the web at renewalministries.net.